1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Now, I want to talk for a little while about resilience. I want to talk about resilience with Lisa Nolan. Lisa uh, is or was a nurse uh, and midwife, and, and left working in health, quit working in health, uh, and has developed into a, a very successful coaching business called Aslan Coaching, where she focuses on and concentrates on resilience and and how we can all. I think Lisa, what you want to say is it's it's within us all. We just need to know how to tune it up. Is that it? Good morning.
0: Good morning, PJ. Um, delighted to be here. Yes, that's exactly uh, my. I have. I have three key messages for your listeners, and that's the most important one, actually, for anyone listening who may be going through a challenging time at the moment. And that is that you have everything you need within you to be resilient. I promise you, it may not feel like it, but you do.
1: Now, define resilience to start off, Lisa.
0: Sure, yeah. Um, So if you look up resilience in the dictionary, um, you'll probably find two meanings. And actually, I find that it does, uh, bearing in mind that it means something different to everybody, everyone has a different perception of resilience, but the two definitions, the first one is uh, the ability of an object or substance to spring back into shape or elasticity. So it's bouncing back or returning to the same state before the stress, and it's really in relation to an object. So that's what a sponge does. If we squeeze it Mm. and let it go, it returns to the same shape and Form In humans, though, it's different. So firstly, because it's not always that easy to bounce back for some people, in my opinion, getting up and getting dressed in the morning is being resilient. Mm. And secondly, even if it's not easy to bounce back, we are capable of more than returning to the same state we were in before. There's no, no doubt that coming through challenges makes us stronger. It doesn't feel like it at the time, and it doesn't mean we have to be grateful for the challenge, but afterwards, it's very empowering to stop and look from a helicopter view and acknowledge that we are stronger, wiser, more mature, more knowledgeable. Mm. We have a higher degree of self-efficacy and hopefully confidence in our ability to handle whatever's thrown at us in the future. So the other definition of resilience in relation to us as humans is, and there's three parts to this. So to successfully adapt to stressors, maintaining psychological well-being in the face of adversity. So if we look at the three elements of that, the first one is to successfully adapt to stressors, which means adjusting our sails when the wind changes. In real life, that means not being too rigid in our mind about how things are going to pan out. Mm. It means being open to having to change our plans and go with the flow instead of fighting the current. Um, The second part is maintaining psychological well-being and that means keeping a positive mindset but it also means getting help to do that if needed. So you'll notice it doesn't say you have to do that on your own. If you need help from friends or indeed a healthcare professional ask for it, get it, accept the help. Do
1: you know know what you mentioned there about you know um, things changing and and adapting to that Mm and I think hopefully we're at the back end or close to the back end of this pandemic now, but if you look at it, over the past two years, Lisa, one thing that we've had to come to terms with is not really being able to plan anything.
0: Yes, because it would right. get
1: your Because the best laid plans of mice and men, as it were, were repeatedly torn up and thrown back in our faces and that became very hard and it came to the point where people just stopped planning stuff.
0: That's right. And um and actually, there's there's two elements to that. One is that I know that psychologists who are watching how we're responding to the pandemic are saying that the people who will emerge from it, in you know, good enough mental health with less likelihood of depression, are those who maintain a flexible mindset every day. Now, that's really hard because we all like to have some kind of plan, it's very hard to have it constantly changed, at, you know, outside our control. Um, and and the other, you know, it's. It's not to say that, you know, if we become unwell, you know, mentally unwell, that depression is the fault of the individual. Far from it, but no more than breaking a bone in an accident is our fault. But it's good to know that we what we can do to help ourselves as much as possible to emerge from this as mentally and physically well as we can. So that's keeping an open mindset as much as we can. But there's actually another element as well, which um, I sometimes uh, when I'm when I'm doing resilience workshops, I go into the different different types of stress. And uh, you know, there's there's some stress hormones that we actually need in our bodies. They're they're essential for the functioning of our bodies, and they get mm. us up in the morning. They help us to respond when we see an injustice, and that's that's kind of the good element of stress. Then there's really really bad stress stressful moments, like uh, you know, a fire or a car crash or somebody has been diagnosed with something. And hopefully, they're not happening too often. They, they sort of punctuate our lives, and mm. um, and then there are the the days when everything that you touch drops and they're kind of, you know, you go out and there's a puncture and you drop your phone, you know, those days when yes. everything you touch, you know, falls. And
1: You have a clumsy fact, day. It happens to us all now and it again.
0: Kind of a clum- it does, exactly. And actually, researchers, physiologists know that those are the days that actually impact on our life, our quality of life even more than the big stuff that happen. Because when when something big happens, particularly here in Ireland, and, you know, we're very good at looking after each other. Um, you know, everybody you know, rotates around and is around you when something bad has happened. I've yet to have my neighbours rock up to my door with a plate of, you know, sandwiches and lasagna when I've had a puncture. We have to manage those days ourselves. But actually, in terms of the pandemic, what what I could see was that actually we were going through those big, uh, you know, what we call crucibles, when you feel melted, a few times every day. It's not just sort of every once or two years. We were facing health challenges uh you know business challenges worried about the economy worried about jobs mm. the total uncertainty of it. so i suppose my message there is to be you know when i said be more forget i think i mentioned be more forgiving of yourself on the days when as you said you might feel clumsy you know it's not that you're being clumsy it's just you're having one of those days but the fact that we have been going through these big big events several times every day and every week for the last two years we really need to be really kind and forgiving to ourselves and um, around that.
1: Come back to the message we started with that everybody yeah. has everything within them because I think you, you, it's there but you need to find it and it's at different right. levels in everybody. So, so how can we learn that? Yeah.
0: Well, it's one of the reasons that I love working in this area, because it's so easy to access the tools. Um, So everybody has, I mentioned everybody has everything they need within them to be resilient. So we don't need a certain personality type. We don't need a particular level of IQ. We don't need a certain education. We don't need our lucky pen or, you know, the lucky charm or money in our pocket. We carry it with us and we don't leave it behind when we leave the house. So we're born with a complex and sophisticated physiology and when it's all working properly it's a system of pure genius and beauty and our brains and bodies are on our side they'll work best for us if we take care of them
1: mm.
0: we just need to know how to harness that physiology um and you know there are a couple of models that i that i use one of them is based on uh, on 21 aspects of life 21 areas of life and i've divided them into cornerstones and pillars of a resilient life so like in masonry the cornerstones are the stones against which all other stones are set Mm. and the pillars hold up the roof now if in in a building if one pillar is is not maintained and allowed to crumble the others have to take the strain and they may not take the strain the roof may cave in when you look at the pillars, there's there's the likes of physical health and mental health. They are the things, physical health for sure, I mean, we have to eat, we have to drink water, we have to sleep, you know, otherwise we die within a few weeks. Mm-hmm. The other pillars that we tend to let drop off the table are things like fun, building up our energy, renewing our energy. Um, we tend to sort of sleep. Sometimes we tend to borrow from sleep time. We swap it out for something that we think is more important. But actually all those things, including fun, are as important as everything else. So they're the cornerstones and pillars um, of a resilient life. And the other model that I use and I recommend, and there's, there's a brilliant book about it it's called Micro Resilience. That's the approach. It's the model called Micro Resilience. And Micro Resilience is a set of tiny changes in behavior that take seconds to implement mm. and have immediate en- impact on our energy and our grit. And I have lots and lots of practical and free and immediately implementable tips and tools for this and for stress management.
1: Give me me one off the top of your head. Give me an idea off the top of your head.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, maybe if I go to sleep, um, because, in fact, so say if I just went straight in with a curveball, uh, if I mentioned uh, drink driving, it has become so socially unacceptable now that most people will bristle when they hear it and, and maybe even be triggered by it. But in fact, one in three of us are operating our lives. Sometimes our cars, under the same conditions as a drunk driver because that's the number of people who are sleep deprived. They reckon that sleep if you miss out on two hours of sleep a night, that's the equivalent of having three beers. And yet we we'll carry on driving. We we'll go through our day and, um, you know, trying to struggle through that. Sleep deprivation was a factor in the disasters in Chernobyl, Three Mile Island and the Exxon Valdez disasters. And um, and of course smaller disasters occur in our own lives when we're chronically tired like we're irritable we've negative thought patterns we might catastrophize um and actually over time it does significant harm to our cardiovascular and, yeah. and immune and reproductive systems and we usually don't prioritize it enough so two quick tips I'll give you one is to be aware of your circadian rhythm this is the 24 hour cycle that all you know living beings go through um now when when we are noticing that it's dusk outside the light is failing there's a little what i call a button behind your eye that reads that and sends the message back into the pituitary gland of the brain saying look it's coming towards nighttime."
1: Mm.
0: the pituitary gland then will release melatonin which is the sleep hormone and helps us to sleep that process takes about two hours but it's disrupted by the likes of you know working late using screens all of that so if you're having trouble falling asleep be aware of your own circadian rhythm and maybe try and reduce that. That is why we tell our kids put away your phones before a nighttime. Don't be taking them to bed. There's, there's, that's the science behind it. I give you one other tip that actually I
1: is that like saying day. sorry, sorry, Lisa. Like yeah. there were times there of an evening, and I, I'm the world's worst for this. I will stay up watching mm-hmm. another episode of a program or reading yeah. another chapter of a book. My body is screaming at me, Peter. Would you go to bed? And I need okay. to listen to you're, that voice.
0: You do. Yeah. So your body, if you listen carefully, your body will tell you what it needs. Um, now, the, the reading the book might be okay, depending on what you're reading, as long as you're not stimulating your, bra- your brain with, you know, something related to business. It usually mm. should be something that
1: winds it's usually down. fiction. <laughs>
0: okay. Excellent. But the, So then the thing is to listen to your body. Yeah, your body's screaming at you. Uh, your melatonin has kicked in. And it's trying to help you to sleep. That it's it's a very sophisticated, like I said, sophisticated system. It's very hard just for us to sleep during the day unless we're absolutely exhausted. But it's very hard for us to stay awake all night as well. Mm. And this is because of the hormones. And if we work with it, it works much better. I mean, people who live in areas of the world where there isn't technology and streetlights, uh, they have very. Um, low rates of sleep deprivation or insomnia, you know, because they go with the rhythm of, of nature and light and their own bodies. Yeah.
1: Also, you say practice what you do. In other words, if you're a boss or if you're a, a member of a team and you're saying to someone, go away and rest yourself now and go away and take some time and then they see you tearing mm. at next day, the next day's work when you could actually be at home walking doing something simple like walking the dog, you're not giving the right example.
0: No, exactly. And and that's that's something that I say to people a lot is that they're, if they're carrying a lot of responsibility, it's not just their right to look after themselves. It's actually their responsibility to uh, to role model it for everybody else. It's no good telling your teams to look after themselves if they see you working you know, through every lunch and burning the candle at both ends. They feel the pressure to do the same no matter what you say and you won't get the best out of them. So that's one reason that it's really important that you as a leader or a manager, um or even if you're a leader in your home or your community to role model it for everyone else um and also so that your brain and body are open for business and able to solve problems and handle the crises that that come in um so it's it's there's a multi-million dollar marketing campaign for the last number of years around it's your right to look after yourself it's your right Mm. but i say it's beyond that it's your responsibility Mm. um so that so that you're giving and leading from from an abundance of your energy not the dregs of a dry well you know it's really important to the, the important
1: and well. i think another thing we learned in the pandemic was once the importance of self-care but two and more importantly the realization that self-care is not selfish
0: exactly exactly for those reasons it it's it's your responsibility if you are If you carry a lot of responsibility, your people are looking up to you, looking to you for advice or answers. If you are working in a fast paced environment where you have to make quick decisions on on the hoof, um, you really, really have to look after yourself. Our bodies are brilliant, but it's no good to say, well, I'll rest at the weekend or I'll sleep when I'm beside the pool, you know, in Spain in June. Our bodies are not like that. We have to look after them every single day um, and Give it the best fuel we can get our hands on, sleep every day because you can't swap sleep time. You can't borrow from sleep time because you can't ever make it back. You can't ever repay yeah. it. So when we look after our resilience and our well-being and our mental well-being in you know through good times, it serves us really well then. Uh, in difficult times when we don't particularly feel resilient but actually we
1: are something else you you quote something uh, from your own time in nursing was that Mm. pain was what the patient says it is which is something similar to a piece of advice that a, a producer friend of mine gave me a number of years ago about talking to people it's it's my sore finger It might be very trivial to you, but my sore finger is my sore finger and it's very important to me. And stress is the same. It doesn't matter what's stressing you. You're stressed.
0: Yes, exactly. And, you know, it was a good thing that was drilled into us from nursing um, because it meant that it, it parked any judgment immediately and you just treated, you know, you addressed the person with where they're coming from in that moment. Um, And I believe with resilience is the same, you know, like you said, it's not anyone else's place to say, well, why are you you stressed? You have nothing to be stressed about. Stress as the same as pain is what the person says it is. And their struggle to be resilient facing that stress is what the person says it is. It's not for anyone else to disregard or invalidate. So it's another part of the puzzle in terms of um, being more forgiving of ourselves, but also kinder to each other as well.
1: Yeah. Something that we discovered a lot of listeners over the past couple of years, Lisa, who were talked to us about, you know, many of them struggled an awful lot during the pandemic. And many people told us about how they felt down and depressed Mm. and, and they really struggled, particularly with lockdown. And then another huge cohort of people were people who got on with it, who had a fairly robust mental health at the best of times, but felt flat. And that was the word we Mm. came up with—just flat. And I was, Mm. you know, what do you do in that feeling where you're kind of sitting out the window, looking out the window, going, "Is this all there is?" That feeling of flat, as if someone has just driven over you. Yes, that's hard to pull yourself uh, out of.
0: It is because it's it's constant stress. There was never really any let up from it. Um. I suppose there's two things I'd say about that. One is that um, I sometimes talk about the bank of resilience, that if you've had a particularly stressful day, you have to ramp up the replenishing of your energy at the end of the day, you know, in relation to that in proportion to it. So the more stressful your day, the more you have to look after yourself, you know, uh, in in that evening. And that doesn't mean in front of Netflix eating chocolate, it means really self care for your body um, and your brain. and the other thing I would say is that, um, in fact, to be very cautious, I'm, I'm always very cautious to say that resilience development or resilience, you know, focusing on resilience is not a replacement for clinical therapy if clinical therapy is needed. Yeah. It certainly helps it and and will get, you know, it, it are good habits to build for when you come out of the clinical therapy, but it's not a replacement. So if somebody is feeling very low for you know any any healthcare professional will say this if somebody's feeling very low not themselves things that used to bring them joy that don't bring them joy anymore over a prolonged period of time they need to go and and ask somebody about it and what can be difficult is to find the words to say that it's very easy to say i fell and i broke my leg but it's very hard for people to go into a gp or any healthcare professional and know what to say particularly because they may not they may have disordered thinking so what I always say is what you go in with is I just don't feel like myself. Yeah. And any healthcare professional will take it from there. So it's just to be aware of that that and also in the same way we we always say it around mental health. If you fall and break your leg, that's not your fault. It has happened. You need treatment. You can't diagnose yourself. You shouldn't diagnose yourself, you know, around having mental ill health any more than you would diagnose a broken bone or something else. Um I mean, an orthopedic surgeon doesn't operate on his own hip. You know, it's 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 really important that you go and seek professional help. And there are there's so many options out there, not even just medication. There's so many options for boosting our mental health and and treating conditions now or, or um, you know any any sort of mental ill health now that there's no reason at all in the world not not to go for them and and the sooner you can possibly the, the better it, the easier it can be to, to treat it yeah and um, that's what I would say is just that, that caveat that it's not a replacement for cl- clinical therapy yeah. and if you need it please go and get it yeah
1: if you you ha- know you have aslancoaching.ie is your website Lisa and a lot of people can yeah. find out an a lot more about what you do there come here I watched. Just before I let you go, I watched a fascinating TED Talk of yours. uh, Okay. And I watched it twice, actually, because I went back through it again. I said, I need to see that a second (laughs) time. Would you talk to me about it some other day?
0: Yes, I would love to talk to you. You're the one I often say when people say, "I saw your your TED talk." I say, "You're the one." Thanks for watching. <laughs> yes, I'd love to talk to you about it another day. Because
1: it was very the interesting, tougher. and it was about about your time in in medicine, and about you know yeah. one of the reasons you got out of it, and how you think that we should maybe treat each other better. You learned from that experience that we should all treat each other better, and here's how we do it.
0: That's right, and. I don't think I learned it straight away. I mean, it happened a long time ago and it took a lot of reflection and actually a lot of speaking to other healthcare professionals about this issue, you know, about about what I spoke about in the TED Talk, um, that that is still happening. It's quite a silent um, problem, but uh, none of us are any better for it. Uh, It certainly doesn't help patient care, it's applicable to all sectors. Yeah. So well, uh, it's well, really well, What I'm going to do
1: is I'm going to encro- encourage people to watch it and you and, you and I will talk Brilliant. again because it's a fascinating TED Talk. And Lisa, thank you for being with us. Lisa Nolan, Aslan Co- Coaching is her website. Quartz 96 FM.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.